Welcome. You're about to listen to a teaching of the Foursquare Gospel Church, VGC District. At Foursquare, we believe in the transformation of communities through the multiplication of disciples, leaders, churches, and movements. May your hearts be blessed and transformed as you listen. Indeed, it will be a month that will pay serious attention to living like Jesus. Help us, Lord, to connect to the revelation and the power in living like Jesus. Lord, help us today as we listen to your word. Let your word work transformation in our lives in the name of Jesus. Hide me behind the cross. Let me be your oracle and your oracle alone today. And to you will all the glory be. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise the Lord. I greet you all in Jesus' name. And I welcome you again to the month of April. It's already the third day. I want us to quickly turn our Bibles to our text. Our theme for this month is living like Jesus. And our topic for the message this morning is living like Jesus. And I want to start by reading the first uh, theme reference, which is 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. And I will make a quick departure this morning by reading from the New Living Translation. And then I will read Romans 8, verse 11 from the New International Version. 1 John 4, 17. The New Living Translation says, And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. And then quickly to Romans 8.11, the New International Version. It says, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Praise the Lord. Indeed, the Lord has been gracious to us. And I really want to thank God for as many of us as experienced the touch of the Lord in the past months. And by God's grace, this month, as we look, study, spend time, and walk towards our team, which is living like Jesus, the idea is how to connect our experiences of the past few months when we reflected on the team, Revive Me, Lord, with the sacrificial love that propelled our Lord Jesus Christ to come to this world and to die for our sins and all that his resurrection represents for us. And I pray that the Lord would help us as we go through this theme this month to be able to cultivate living every moment like Jesus. I pray we would all catch the depth of the revelation of living like Jesus at all times, under all circumstances, for the surpassing glory of being with Jesus again. So this morning, I'm going to undertake a quick overview of our team, um, Living Like Jesus, by looking at the basis for living like Jesus, then the basics 
of living like Jesus and the benefits of living like Jesus. The basis, the basics, and the benefits. You can call them the three Bs. So you remember the basis, the basics, and the benefits. We just saw a very short video clip. My attention was first drawn to the idea of the, the practical idea of living like Jesus by Ed Dobson. Um, I met, I first met Ed Dobson in 2009 in Michigan in the United States. And that was shortly after he had spent a whole year living like Jesus. And he made great effort. And he did so well because he also went into the cultural aspect of living like Jesus. Not just looking at the attributes of Jesus, the character of Jesus, but he also took time to study the culture, the Mid-Eastern culture, and he lived indeed like Jesus. And we were at a meeting where he was sharing with us thoughts on his experience. And, and, and that made a profound impression on me. And later that year, his book with the title, The Year of Living Like Jesus, was published. And he gave me an autographed copy of that book. Interestingly, um, in that book, Ed said he was influenced by another guy called A.J. Jacobs, who had previously spent a year living biblically. And what Jacobs did was to take his time to study the Bible and then lived according to the Bible strictly. And then he, he also wrote a book titled The Year of Living, um, of Living Biblically. So Ed listened to him on radio and then placed an order for the book, read the book, and he then decided that, okay, he was a Christian, so he was going to spend the year living like Jesus. Incidentally, A.J. Jacobs, at the time he spent a year living biblically and then wrote his book, wasn't, he wasn't a Christian, but he was Jewish. Ed Dobson, on the other hand, was a Christian and pastor. At the time, he was the senior pastor of Calvary Church in Grand Rapids. Very huge church. I've worshipped there a number of times. Ed himself holds an end doctorate from the University of Virginia. At one time, Ed was named the pastor of the year by Moody Bible Institute and is the author of several books. So Ed is a very seasoned guy and a seasoned Christian, very profound guy when you listen to him. Number one thing that I want to bring out this morning is when A.J. Edwards, he wrote the foreword to Ed's book. Now in his foreword to Ed's book, he made a statement that made a very strong impression on me. He said, and I quote him, in some ways, Ed Dobson and I couldn't be more different. We come from totally contrasting perspectives. We are, to use a biblical metaphor, as different as Jacob and Esau. And yet, to stretch the metaphor, in some ways, I feel like I am Ed Dobson's spiritual brother. 
And not because we both had huge beards, we both decided to undertake religious journeys that change our lives forever. We both decided to undertake religious journeys that change our lives forever. Brethren, the call on us this month and perhaps the rest of our time on this side of eternity is one that will change our lives forever. No one embarks on the journey of living like Jesus and remains the same. And I pray that the Lord will help us. I pray that the Lord indeed will help us. Let's look at the basis for living like Jesus. What's the basis for living like Jesus? Let's look at the biblical basis for living like Jesus. What is the biblical basis? Now, without stretching it and looking at the Old Testament, and, but just making it simple. I want to take us back to our text, 1 John 4, 17. And it says, and as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Essentially, this verse tells us that, look, the expectation is that we will live like who? We live like Jesus. We will live like Jesus. And he goes on to say that, look, when you live like Jesus, you can face judgment with confidence. And I dare say you can live life with confidence. So here we are expected to live like Jesus. Is a call. The call to live like Jesus. And that's why I, I want to encourage us to take this very seriously. To give this very careful consideration. The call to live like Jesus. And you go back a bit to 1 John chapter 2 verses 5 and 6. It presents even a more compelling case or biblical basis for us to live like Jesus. He says, but if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Must live as Jesus did. Brethren, that is the biblical basis. And that's a call for us to live like Jesus. And many of you would wonder, would say, ah, but is, is it easy to live like Jesus? It's not easy. I won't say it's easy. It's hard. Because it goes against the grain. It goes against the flow. It goes against the tide. And when you swim against the tide, against the flow of the tide, it's not easy. But the beauty of it is that as Christians, we're empowered to live like Jesus. And Romans 8, 11 tells us, it says, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Because of his spirit who lives in you. So the spirit of God lives in us. And he would give us the enablement, the empowerment to be able to live like Jesus. If you believe that, shout a loud amen. amen. So let's not resign. 
let's, let's, let's not approach this from a defeatist uh, perspective. We have what it takes. And the beauty of it is that people have attempted it. They have done it. And that's why I showed Ed. And as we share along and as we share thoughts on this theme in the course of this month, we begin to see practical ways that we can begin to engage and begin to take on this living like Jesus. And I believe that the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. And I do know that many of us in some ways are already living like Jesus. We just need to begin to build more. We need to begin to take on more. I pray that the Lord will help us. So we're, we've been empowered to live like Jesus. We've been empowered. Another thing that gives strength to the basis for us to live like Jesus, because you're probably wondering, so why do I want to be like Jesus? Let me take us back to his time. You know, when our Lord Jesus was on earth here, yeah, then when, you know, Teachers like were called rabbi, and the concept of disciples started with the rabbis, even far back into the Old Testament. So rabbis had disciples, and typically, the disciples would always want to be like their rabbi. They would desire to be like their rabbi. So that was an aspiration for them. Disciples aspire to be like their master. And this takes me back to the, 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 the account of Peter walking on water. This is a familiar Bible story for us. On this day, our Lord Jesus Christ had finished preaching to the crowd. And this is in Matthew chapter 14, from verses 22 to 29. Jesus had spent some time preaching to the crowd. He was done. So he then told his disciples, they were around the Sea of Galilee, or the lake. It's, it's actually a lake. So he then told his disciples to get onto their boat and sail across to the other side of the lake. And he then went to the mountainside so to, to spend time to pray alone. So the boat went in um, different directions. But while the disciples were midstream, you know, there was this storm that came on the lake. It was so fierce that they became afraid that their boat was going to go aground. So they were worried. They were agitated. And then suddenly, in the heat of the wind and wave, threatening to sink their boat, they saw someone walking on water, and walking towards them. They were afraid because they thought the person walking was a ghost. And then Jesus had to tell them, Jesus said to them, take courage, do not be afraid, and that he was Jesus. And it's interesting to see, you know, I like the speed of recovery of Peter. Not too long we were told that they were afraid. And typically, it would take a normal person time to recover. You know, from the fear of your boat sinking and the risk of losing your life, then suddenly you see someone coming on water and you thought it was a ghost and you were afraid. That's double fear. And then the person says, no, take courage, do not be afraid. And then immediately Peter says, can I come? Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, look at the speed of recovery. Immediately, you know, he says, can I come? And Jesus said, come. 
And Peter came out of the boat and he did what? He walked on uh, water. He walked on water. Forget the fact that after a while he started sinking. But the beauty of it was Peter walked on water. He did something that no one else had done before. And you must give him credit for that. But you see, the question is, why will Peter want to come out of the boat and walk on water? There are 12 disciples, right? The 11 were there quiet, recovering from their multiple shocks. Peter instead recovered too quickly and said, can he come? What do you think was propelling Peter? What was propelling Peter was the desire to be like the master. The desire to be like the rabbi. The desire to do the things that the rabbi has done. If the rabbi has walked on water, then I can walk on water. Then I desire to walk on water. Then I aspire to walk on water as well. That was what was propelling Peter. The overriding aspiration of an average disciple to want to be like the rabbi. That was what was propelling him. That is it. Every disciple wants, desires, and aspires to be like the, 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 to be like the rabbi. They want to walk like the rabbi. They want to talk like the rabbi. They, they, they like to think like the rabbi, move like the rabbi, and respond like the rabbi. Those were the things propelling Peter. The aspiration to be like the master. That was what propelled him. So Peter saw Jesus walking on water. His own consuming desire is to be like Jesus. He figures that if Jesus can do it, he can do it as well. So he gets out of the boat. We too must want to be like Jesus. We must want to walk like Jesus, talk like him, live like him, move like him, and respond like him. And if Jesus were to come again and walk on water, I wonder how many of us here would say, Jesus, can I come? Eh? If you say so, just raise your hand, let me see. <laughs> but you see, that aspiration that propelled Peter to want to walk on water like Jesus is what should actually drive us to want to live like Jesus. And I pray that the Lord will grant us that grace. I pray that the Lord will help us. Another basis is the fact that Jesus is our standard. Jesus is our standard. And Jesus must remain our standard even when it does not make sense. Sometimes it does not make sense. But even when it does not make sense, Jesus must still remain our standard. For example, you know, when Jesus says you should love your enemies, does that make sense? Eh? Does it make sense? But is it true? Is it there in the Bible? It's there. It's there. And did Jesus show an example? You know, as I was thinking through, as I was preparing this message, the example that came to my mind was Malchus. Malchus. You know, in John chapter 18, when they came to arrest our Lord Jesus Christ, to commence the events that led to his crucifixion, which this season reminds us of, when they came, 
Malchus was a relation of the high priest and he came with them. And Peter, when he realized that these guys had come to arrest Jesus, had a sword with him. He brought out his sword. And what did he do? He cut off the ears of uh, Malchus. And Jesus had to rebook him to say, no, you don't have to do that. Put away your sword. I have to drink from this cup. And then Jesus did what? He took the air and uh, put the team back and healed it. Now, for all practical purposes, Malchus can be classified as an enemy. But look at the way our Lord Jesus responded to him. He responded to him in love. Took the air. These are the guys who have come to arrest him. That would ultimately lead to his death. Yet, he rebuked Peter for raising a hand and then healed Marcos. That is the standard that the Lord Jesus has set for us. How do you explain that? How do you love your enemy? It is hard enough to tolerate an enemy. Right? It's even hard enough to ignore the enemy. You know, you say, this person is your enemy. The best that many of us Christians do is to tolerate. Right? Which is even difficult. If we don't confront or hate them. then it's even very difficult to ignore them. But sometimes some people try to do so. But here, how do you explain? He says, you should love. But love your enemy? How many of us can really try out that? Yet, that is the standard set for us by the Lord Jesus Christ. These are some of the things that we are called to do as we live like Jesus. The challenge for us is, can you resolve today to be like Jesus in your behavior towards your enemy or enemies? Some have loads of enemies. Somebody once told me that he had a list of enemies. So if you have some, list them out. And then remind yourself that this month, we want to begin to live like who? Jesus. And Jesus says we should love our enemies. And then you're going to start, you pray that the Lord will grant you grace to love them. And you're going to now take practical steps of loving them. You are going to act and you're going to show your enemies what? Love. Love. I pray that the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. And then the context for living like Jesus as I round up on the basis for living like Jesus. The third element there is to look at the context. You see, living like Jesus... We have to understand that Jesus had a context when he was on earth. He had a cultural context. He had an environmental context. But more importantly, there was a spiritual context around it. So what does it mean? Now, in our context today and within the context of our realities today, to live like Jesus does not mean that tomorrow you should go and choose 12 disciples. That's not what I'm saying. You probably won't even find. And I'm not saying that tomorrow you go and gather people and say, okay, I'm living like Jesus. It's time to start performing miracles. Where are all the sick people? That's not what I'm saying. 
And I'm not saying that tomorrow you go and carry, look for a cross and carry and say, people come and crucify me. No. You see, we may not be able to copy the life of Jesus verbatim because some of the things that Jesus did had to do with his identity as God's son and the fulfillment of his special role in dying for sin and the cultural context of the first century Roman and the Jewish setting. So we need to understand that. But to live as Jesus did today will mean to obey his teachings, will mean to follow his examples of complete obedience to God. It will mean loving service to people. It will mean living like Jesus. And when we say living in complete obedience, it will mean living like Jesus in his love, in his righteousness, even in his pain, in his humility. And some of this we'll be talking about in the course of this month. That is the context that we're talking about. And it's important that we get this right so that we can understand the perspective. So no one leaves here and starts thinking that, ah, I'm telling me to live like Jesus. How can you live like Jesus? Yes, you can live like Jesus, but we need to understand that context and understand it very well. And I pray that the Lord will help us. But I'm sure we all understand what we're talking about here when we say we need to live like Jesus. Then let's look at the basics for living like Jesus. What are the basics? The very first thing is understanding Jesus. Because you see, if you want to live like someone, you need to understand the person. Because if you don't understand the person, you can't live like him. There is a popular saying that says, to understand someone, try to walk a mile in their shoes. Or if you want to take it to the time of Jesus, in his sandals. Their shoes then were sandals. They were strap and so on. You try and walk a mile in his shoes. Then you begin to appreciate and you try to understand um, the person better. So if you want to be like Jesus, you need to understand Jesus. Ed Dobson, in seeking to understand Jesus better, one of the things that he did in the year of living like Jesus was to read through the Gospels every week. Are you with me? Every week he read through the Gospels. So every week he read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I think it's one challenge that we should take on. Because if we want to live like Jesus, let's take on the challenge of reading the Gospels. And these days, it's so easy. We all carry mobile phones, smartphones. I can assure you that the time you spend doing WhatsApp and Facebook in one day is actually enough to listen to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and uh, John. If you doubt me, try it. How many want to try it? How many of you will try it? Try it. You have the audio version in your, in your phones. Just get your earphone, whether in traffic, and just listen. Listen. And then if you have the time, you can also read. So you need to understand Jesus. So what Ed did was to read through the Gospels every week. He, he, he tried to eat like Jesus. He talked like Jesus. He talked like Jesus. 
You know, some of us, you know, the things that we say from our mouth, <laughs> they're scary. But you can resolve and say, look, going forward, though, I will talk like Jesus. You know, there's one of our sisters, she's an elder now. And many, many years ago, she came one day and she said, hmm, you know, someone said something to her. And she looked at the person and said, hmm, if it were before, I know what to say to you. And when I say it to you, you go and, you know, you'll be miserable. But now, I can't say those things again. And, you know, when she shared that, I was so touched. It meant that Christ was making a difference in her life. So are there things you would say ordinarily that are terrible when you want to, haven't decided to live like Jesus, to talk like Jesus, before those things come out, you want to ask yourself, will Jesus say this? And once the answer is uh, no, you do what? You swallow it in uh, you take it back in. So people like Ed talked like Jesus. He started thinking like Jesus. And then he started hanging out with sinners like Jesus. You know, Jesus will hang out with sinners. Because he said, look, he came for those people. You know, there was a time I once said to you that if Jesus were here and Jesus were to come into our church, my concern was that perhaps we may not even know that it's Jesus and may not allow him to come. Because the crowd that he will come in with, you'll be wondering whether I should allow them into the church. But that's Jesus. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. Sometimes our transformation starts on the outside and walks its way inside, inward. You know, sometimes, you know, it's common for us to say, oh, everything comes from inside. But the reality, again, is that it's a two-way street. Sometimes you begin to practice to do something, and then that thing begins to influence you. And then it flows from that outward, inward, and begins to work transformation in you. So as we make this deliberate decision, to live like Jesus is very practical. It's deliberate, it's practical, it's action-based. It can be tested, it can be documented. And then it begins to, it can start from that outward action in, and flow inward and begin to work transformation there. And I pray that the Lord will help us. So continuing focus on studying of the Bible, particularly the gospel, will help us in our understanding. So, and, and looking at the components, we, we, we need to look at our thought pattern, the way our walk, our talk, our actions, our responses. These are all areas to start from. And as I was thinking of our team for this month, I started looking at, you know, the life of Jesus, looking at his, the, the life of Jesus, looking at love, the kind of love that the Lord Jesus has exhibited, looking at the life of Jesus in love, in humility, in righteousness, looking at the life of Jesus even in his pain, and I said to myself, perhaps ways to start. You can decide that, look, this week I'm going to live like Jesus in his love. And then you can isolate and study it. And say, okay, this was how Jesus did. How much he showed love. And then begin to live like that. And pray that the Lord will grant you grace. Now, you may miss it along the way, drop the ball in one or two places, document them. But it doesn't mean you give up. You keep at it. 
and the Lord will keep helping us. You can decide that, yes, I want to live like Jesus in his humility, and I'm going to start from today. So, and then you begin to purge yourself of those areas of pride. You begin to review your ego and say, no, I want to live like Jesus in his humility. Who is the son of God? But would rather refer to himself as the son of man. Who was God but will not hold on to that? He was so humble that he died on the tree, on the, on, on the cross. He took on humanity. That's Jesus in his humility. So if you decide that, yes, I want to live like Jesus in his humility, and I'm going to start it, you can be sure that it will be tested. That's when, as you are getting to the office, somebody who should stand up to greet you will just sit down and say, ah, okay, welcome. Your immediate instinct will be, what's wrong with you? Won't you greet me properly? Then you remember that, oh, you want to be like Jesus in... Uh, or you get home, you are the guy in the house. And then your wife beckons to you from the kitchen uh, somewhere and says, Ah, sweetheart, welcome. Oh, your food is in the kitchen. Take it. Go and take it. Oh. You say, Ah, what's wrong with this woman? She will not even serve my food. Jesus, in his humility, he will go and pick the food and do what? That's where to start. Or when you finish the food, instead of leaving the, the, the plate on the table and walking away in humility, you can do what? Oh, no, wait first now. <laughs> but these are, these are serious things. My time is gone, so let me just round up. Benefits of living like Jesus is pleasing to God. It takes you on to a sinless life. Following Jesus liberates because Jesus is the great liberator. He came to save us from our sins. We can see that in Matthew 1, 21. And we can see in John 18, verses 7 and 8, that Jesus, even in his most challenging moments, was thinking of liberating those that were with him. When they came to arrest him, and then he asked his, you know, those who came to arrest him, they said, who did you say you are looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, look, I have said to you, I am the one. Now let these others go. Let them go. You can go with me. That's Jesus. He wanted the others liberated. And it's also a mark of the fact that, look, he has come as an atonement for others. One would imagine that at a time like that, when he was going to confront the enemy, the more people you have with you, the better. But our Lord was not like that. He was ready to face it alone so that others would be liberated. The Lord Jesus has come to liberate you and I. And as we live this month, living like him, we would experience the liberating power of the Lord Jesus. He will liberate us from bondage, the bondage of sin, whatever bondage we are under, of failed efforts, Slavery to sin, slavery to all kinds of habits that limit us. The Lord Jesus is here to liberate us. And as we embark on this journey, we would experience the liberating power of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a way to heaven, brethren. Living like Jesus is a way to where? Heaven. 
How many of us want to talk about heaven? We want to enter heaven, but you know, the way to get there, we don't want to talk about it. But that's the reality. It's a way to heaven. And Jesus himself said, look, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Living like Jesus is a way to heaven. It's confident living. When you live like Jesus, nothing to hide. You know, so when they knock at your door, you know, first of all, say, ah, you know, you, you not start repositioning things. Because you live a transparent uh, life. Jesus lived a transparent life. He had nothing to hide. Not even the tax collectors was he afraid of. So if the tax people said they were coming to look at his books, he would not lose sleep, Right? And they actually did, didn't they? That's confident living. And then it's positive influence on others. It's positive influence on others. That's the only way that our lives can lift Christ up so that others will see and will be attracted to Christ. They will see the beauty of Christ in our lives. I pray that the Lord will help us. I want us to just rise and bow our heads and begin to talk to God. I want us to rise and begin to talk to God. How are you going to respond to this call to be like Jesus? How are you going to respond to this call to be like Jesus? Your response to this call is important. So important that it may even determine the course of your life going forward. No one embarks on this journey and remains the same. No one embarks on this journey and remains the same. But before you embark on that journey, the very first step is to even give your life to Christ. And ask Christ to come into your life. Do we have anyone here who has not at any time given his or her life to Christ? You have never at any time given your life to Christ. And today you want to take that decision because that is the very first step. You cannot begin to live like Jesus if you have not given your life to Jesus. You cannot begin to understand who Jesus is if you have not given your life to Jesus. You have a unique opportunity today to give your life to Jesus. He says, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man opens, I will come in and dine and sup with him. The Lord Jesus is standing at the door of your heart this morning and is knocking. Would you want to open the door? Do you want to ask the Lord Jesus to come into your life? Do you want to confess your sins and repent of them and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ? So that the Lord Jesus can come into your life and you can become born again. And you begin to experience the transforming power of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is your chance. If you want to do so, just place your right hand on your chest. Place your right hand on your chest and begin to ask that the Lord forgive you begin to confess your sins and begin to repent. Place your right hand on your chest whether you are in the main auditorium or in the penal hall downstairs or you are connected to us online. Just place your right hand on your chest and one of our pastors and ministers will reach out to you and spend time to pray with you. Or are you here with us? At one time you gave your life to Christ but you know clearly that you have gone back. You have backslidden. You are no longer in tune with God. This is your chance for reconciliation. This is your chance to be reconciled to God before you embark on the journey of living like Jesus. You want to also put your right hand on your chest. Put your right hand on your chest. You want to be reconciled to God. You want to trace your steps back to God. Our pastors are here to pray with you, to counsel you, to minister to you.
just place your right hand on your chest. You were at one time, at one time or the other, you gave your life to Christ. But somewhere along the line, you missed it. You missed it. This is your chance. This is your chance. This is your unique opportunity for reconciliation. Don't miss this. Don't miss this opportunity. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. And the rest of us, are you embarking on the journey of living like Jesus? Do you want to live like Jesus? Do you want to genuinely be a follower of Jesus? This presents to you a unique opportunity. You need to make a decision. And you need to start. You need to take a step and start. He has empowered you. He will be so delighted at your decision. And I know that his grace will abound towards you. We cannot afford to continue. can't be business as usual. Today, Christianity is tainted. The culture has come into it. So much religion. And there's hardly any difference between a born-again Christian and a non-practicing Christian. It can't be so. The followers of Jesus must live like Jesus. We cannot be carried away by the syncretism that is going on around us. We can't. We must be different. Otherwise, we cannot live confidently. Otherwise, we cannot face the judgment throne of God with confidence. Yet, the call is for us to live like Jesus so that we can face that judgment throne with confidence. Brethren, we need to take this very seriously. We need to take it very seriously. And I pray that the Lord will help us. Let us talk to God to help us. Let us talk to God to help us. Let's make firm decisions before God. Let's make firm decisions. Let's make firm commitment. We need to live like Jesus. Where do you want to start from? How do you want to start? You can't sit on the fence. Father, I just pray that you help us. Help us, eternal rock of ages. As we respond to your call to live like you. Thank you, Father, because your Holy Spirit is there to quicken our mortal bodies and to help us to live like you. Grant us grace, Lord. Grant us all the grace that we need. Help us, Father. Take us from where we are 